We'll be in the Gospel of Matthew and reading uh, chapter 6, verse 25 to the end of the chapter. Matthew chapter 6, beginning with verse 25. Therefore I say unto you, Be not anxious for your life, what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than food, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by being anxious, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why are ye anxious for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. Nor yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, uh, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore be not anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or with what shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Be therefore not anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is its own evil. Shall we look to the Lord in prayer? Loving Father, we are thankful that we can trust you and we can rest in your care at all times. We're thankful, Father, that your blessing is renewed to us each day as we put our faith and trust in you, Lord. And today, as we look at this passage, may our hearts be comforted in knowing that you do love us and that you do minister unto us in our needs and you care for us in every way and we give praise and thanks to you Father asking for your blessing in Jesus name Amen Well as we look at this passage we find that it has some very practical implications for us as uh, the message this morning has to do with be not anxious I suppose that after some of the um, news in focus articles which I have read to you you might even have some anxiety over some of the things that uh, were shared with you this morning. And you probably have some anxiety really overseeing some of the things that are going on even in our news today. And we're reminded that um, in times like these, we need a Savior. We need to trust in God. That is, we find ourselves uh, looking to God more ardently and more fervently when there is unrest around us. Uh, when everything is going fine, when we're dwelling on the mountaintops of life and everything seems to be going good, uh, we sometimes do not look to God as keenly as we should. But down in the valleys where there is 
somewhat a great deal of darkness and more trouble and heartache or through the valley of the shadow of death as it were or through those experiences of trial and suffering we learn to trust in God and we always need to look to God in our walk of faith and labor of love and patience of hope for our walk of faith is in Christ and our labor of love is to serve God and to minister those things in Christ and so our hope also is in Jesus and those eternal realities that we have in him so first of all let us just consider what Jesus is saying here to the disciples if we put it in the context of the Sermon on the Mount we know that the Lord Jesus is preaching uh, to a multitude of people but primarily to his own disciples and in fact he is taking the case of uh, the culture of his own day especially of those who are involved in the religious life of the day such as the Pharisees and the Sadducees and you might, might even want to throw in the Herodians and, and to get the Republicans and the Democrats in the mix uh, and realize that uh, there is a lot of things which have to do with society and with culture and when we're talking about the Lord Jesus and speaking to the culture of his own day uh, he realized that things were not going as God intended that there was a great deal of unrest among the people in fact the Roman government was over the people and uh, the religious rulers were you know they were trying to compromise with the Roman government but they were also trying to enforce the law the Judaistic law which was uh, also of course uh, in place and uh, the, the, even the sacrificial system was in place in that day uh, and we know that there were gr a great deal of injustices that were taking place within their own religious group and so Jesus had much to say on many issues that affected the people culturally and religiously. And he comes to this particular place here uh, after dealing with uh, where your treasure is laid up, whether it is on earth or whether it is in heaven, and dealing whether or not they were worshiping at the feet of the God of Mammon, or whether or not they were actually serving God and now he comes to this uh, this area of care having to do with with placing one's one's trust in God and uh, considering that God is the one who not only is the provider in our lives on a daily basis uh, but that to have anxiety and to have worry about things is to in, in effect doubt God that's what what worry is it, it is in effect doubting God uh, and sometimes we uh, find ourselves in that case I mean obviously none of us are without uh, some weakness in those areas uh, of, of doubt or of, of having anxiety about things um, and so he speaks to his own disciples upon, upon a very practical aspect of life. And he begins to talk to them about those things in life upon some very basic elements, such as food and clothing. 
verse 25, Therefore I say unto you, Be not anxious for your life, what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Food and clothing form uh, a great part of our life, of course. We, we think of being parents and what do we want to provide for our children, but we want food on the table and we want to be able to clothe them and shelter them. Uh, parents have that kind of love for their children that they want to care for those basic needs. Um, our Heavenly Father also wants to care for us. Now, we recognize that... Um, there is much said today about food and clothing, of course. Uh, we are inundated with a great deal of merchandising in both areas, all the time. Uh, what to eat and how much to eat and the what to wear and, what to, and the kind of clothes that we might wear. Um, and, of course, it gets into a lot of different areas when you begin to talk about that. But uh, since he brought up this subject, it is to caution them against needless anxiety. Um, and when we think about uh, the world in which we live in, um, we know that uh, we can sometimes get wrapped up in anxieties and worries that have to do with the world around us. Um, I'm reminded that um, God is our provider very often. And I know that you are reminded of that too. Uh, we can't go through life without realizing that God is, is involved in our lives and that we have to trust him for those things that are most needful for us. And uh, even though it might be uh, somewhat redundant to talk about food and clothing in the sense that we always hear about it, um, it is not uh, that redundant because we recognize that that it is so basic to our need to trust in God and to have faith in God that it affects every part of our life. To trust in God and to have faith in God. Uh, and so he, he speaks on this issue. Is not the life more than food and the body than raiment? Well, all of a sudden he's turn their attention away from those basic elements upon the table and whatever they're wearing on their back and he's saying, well, life is worth more, is more than that. It is more than that. Um, there is a great deal of want, of course, in the world. Uh, you, you go to third world countries and you find many people who are in great need and need to be fed or clothed. Even in the United States, we recognize there are a lot of homeless people. And uh, we find that this is a society which has taken up the whole idea and the philosophy of feeding people. And uh, I'm sure you have heard it said many times that there are many people who go hungry every day and uh, there are a great deal of, of many uh, food pantries and so forth that are trying to feed people. So this is, Jesus is not saying that we should neglect feeding people. That is not what Jesus is saying. He is not saying that we should allow people to go without proper clothing to keep them warm or to take care of the homeless or to take care of those who are on welfare um, and, and so on and so forth. No, he's, he's talking about the areas of basic need in our life that we all face, and he's saying you need to trust God because life is more than the basic needs of, of life. And sometimes we allow the basic needs of life to kind of 
capitalize uh, and to focus on things that um, would take us away from God. Uh, to take us away from trusting and having faith in God. When, according to the word of God, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, and is so basic to our life and to how we live that we cannot afford to overlook faith in any area. And uh, the area of worry and anxiety is one of those things. It can steal away our faith. To be worried about something constantly or to have anxiety in our life constantly over a particular area uh, can steal away our faith in God. It can cause us to, to um, uh, go in the wrong direction, if you will, or not look to the Lord in those areas of need. And then he begins to give some illustration. And the first illustration that he gives here is the fowls of the air. Um, don't you love how, how simplistic many of the messages of Christ are? He talks about food and clothing, but the illustration is he uses nature over here. Uh, you know, what do we do? We, we look to something else to meet the need. We, uh, you know, for, for somebody who's hungry, they would rush to the food pantry, which is probably a good place to go if you're, if you're that hungry. Or if, if somebody doesn't have adequate clothing to get them through the winter, they might go to the clothing barn and, and look uh, to somebody to help them there. And that is okay, and that, that is uh, the appropriate thing to do. But to deal with worry and anxiety, what should we do? Then we must be affirmed upon the basis of how God, in His common grace, cares for even nature itself. And so what does he point them to? He says, Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. So the, the thing that he uses as an illustration to tell them not to worry and not to have anxiety over some of the basic areas of life is this, that he says God cares for his creation. In fact, they, the, the creation itself, the birds, uh, uh, the fowls of the air, uh, they don't get up at uh, 7 o'clock in the morning and get a lunch pail together and go to the office or to the workplace and uh, to work and to earn a living. But rather, they are provided for through the natural creation that God has given to them. And if God, the point being then, if God cares for his natural creation so wonderfully, will he not care for you as well? Will he not also give you the true sense that he is in your life and he is working behind the scenes and that if you will but put faith in him, then you will not have to doubt or you will not have the anxiety which you sometimes carry around in life. You know, we use another word for it today, we call it stress. <coughs> and I suppose that, <coughs> you know, our stress level kind of goes up based upon the things that happen in our lives. And, of course, uh, living in a, a culture like we do today, stress is everywhere. <coughs> it's in the workplace, it's in the home, uh, it's at school, um, it's... Uh, 
every place we go. In fact, driving down the road, there's a great deal of stress, even driving down the road, and we wonder whether or not the person who is coming down the road on the opposite side is going to stay there, and we're probably watching whether or not they're too near the, the white line in the, in the road or the yellow line, depending upon the striping upon the road, and there's just all kinds of anxieties that we have. Uh, all kinds of things that seem to to uh, cause us uh, to wonder at uh, at life and just how we're going to face that life. For God says God cares. Jesus says God cares for the fowls of the air, and they are part of His creation. And by the way, you are part of God's creation too. And because you are so much more important to God in his work of creation because you are a special work of creation according to God's plan and how he formed man and created man and brought man into this world to care for creation does God care for you and will he not also meet your need and of course the answer is yes God will <clears throat> I, I was listening to someone this week I think it was um, one of the messages on sermon audio um, and I believe it was John Whitcomb um, and I don't know if any of you are familiar with John Whitcomb but he, he teaches on Genesis quite a bit but one of the things that he said that kind of struck me uh, in his message was um, well you know God uh, wants us to do some some things for ourselves um, and he gives us some things to do uh, but then there are other things that, that God hasn't given us, but rather he does for us. And sometimes those things come together in life. And uh, we find that as they come together, we are supposed to trust God in the process. And uh, he was talking about, of course, creation itself. And he used the example uh, in God's creative work and in his miracles, uh, which he did, uh, he was talking about, um, he, talked, he used the illustration of Lazarus and how that Lazarus was in the tomb and Lazarus was dead and Lazarus was bound up with grave clothes and here is Jesus and he is going to perform this miracle um, but, but Jesus, what does he do in his, in his human body? He only speaks the word um, in other words, he did that part which God designed for him to do as the Son of God was to speak the word that God the Father might bring forth Lazarus from the grave. Jesus didn't go and move the stone away from the tomb so Lazarus could come out. All Jesus did was speak the word. In other words, we might liken that to the exercise of faith. We, what does God want us to do? He wants us to have faith. He wants us to trust Him. And what does God do? Well, God quickens and makes alive. And what did God do? He moved the stone, He brought Lazarus to life, and He came out of the tomb. And uh, so we, we find that the, in the process of God's revelation and his miracles of which he does, he often gives both. There, in other words, there's a sense of human responsibility to the 
the uh, miracle working part of God. There is a sense of human responsibility. And when it comes to us, we have a sense of responsibility. What do, we must trust God. We must have faith. Yes, it is God's part to do uh, something for us by faith. And we only need to trust Him to see it happen. We get up to go to work. We, we put our own clothes on. We pack our own lunch. We, we go to the workplace. We, we, we put in the nine to five or whatever it is that we need to do. But in the process, as Christians, we must have faith that God is going to care for the most basic needs that we have. Uh, and if we don't, then we not only pile a lot of stress on our own lives, but in the process we lack something in our relationship to God. We lack trusting Him. We lack that faith that we need to walk with God. And so Jesus brings all these things out in a very basic way, talking about food and raiment and so forth. Verse 27, Which of you, by being anxious, can add one cubit unto his stature? So now he uses another illustration, and it's, it's uh, an illustration that we might not connect with quite so quickly, uh, but this illustration goes to time and... Um, those things that man doesn't control at all. Um, you know, in, in humanistic philosophy, man can pull himself up by his own bootstraps. You know, that's humanistic philosophy. Um, man's humanistic philosophy uh, says, I can do it. Uh, I'm, I'm the one who's, who's the master of my life. I control everything. Uh, I, can, I can accomplish whatever I want to do. And, of course, the you know, I is emphasized in all of that. Um, but God says, uh, well, you might think you control everything, but you can't add even one minutest measurement to your life. Um, the cubit was, of course, a measurement uh, within biblical times. Um, and he's not really saying that you can that you you can't make yourself grow 18 to 22 inches, which might have been the average sense of a cubit. Uh, so much as he is saying that you think you're in control, but really you're not. Your 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 worth is truly in God, and it's it, God is in control. God is the controlling factor. There are some things, yes, that God has given to us, but this, in this area, God hasn't given that to you. you. You can't add any measurement to your life, whether it be by inches or otherwise. You can't do it. It's impossible. Only God is in control of those things. And when it comes to the exercise of faith, only God can give you the true outcome of it. You can't do it. Your, your ability is limited. You're, you live in the realm of humanistic philosophy by yourself. And uh, though you might put some straps under your boots, you really can't lift yourself off the ground. Uh, and, and God is he's making a point. Jesus is making a point here to us. That God wants us to trust him. 
And if, if, we would, if we would do the things that we wish to have accomplished and trust God, then we are going to have to exercise faith because the worries and anxiety and the stresses of life steal away the very thing that God means for us to trust him in. In verse 28, And why are ye anxious for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. So you use the fowls of the air. You use the idea here of adding one sense of measurement to your life, which you have no control over anyway. And now he uses the illustration here of the lilies of the field, or the the. Well, if you look out the window, even right now, through this church window, I can see the goldenrod in that field just across the road, and it's growing and blooming, and uh, um, I think goldenrod is really quite beautiful, to tell you the truth. And many people have wildflower gardens for that very reason, because they enjoy the natural beauty of creation that God provides. And the lilies of the field were, were beautiful as well in, in Jesus' day. And uh, some have even likened this illustration to the kings, as uh, Jesus mentioned Solomon here. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Well, we might think of Solomon. He was the wealthiest man in the world. He was the, the wisest man in the world. Um, in fact, his wealth was so great that he had a throne of ivory that was overlaid with gold, and there were 12 lions going up the steps uh, to his throne. And one can imagine the chair that he set in, uh, how ornate and, and beautiful and costly that was. Um, wealth, um, he, there was no one who had wealth more than Solomon did. And the Queen of Sheba came and said, the half has not been told of the wealth and the wisdom of Solomon. And yet Jesus says that the lilies of the field um, make Solomon envious because they are so beautiful. God's created, creation is so beautiful. The author of God's provision in our life is so much better than our own that we have to realize, well, we're better off with what God provides than what man provides, than what man has given. Even though God has given us a part in trusting Him, that part that God has given to us, which is called faith, is, is much more beautiful in the sight of God than anything we can imagine that we could provide. And so we find the lilies of the field. He even mentions the beauty of the creation of the field. In verse 30, then he goes on to say, Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? And uh, of course we often quote the last part of that statement, don't we? Oh, of little faith. O you of little faith. O ye of little faith. We often quote that. Um, but he's, he's really speaking about that in relationship to our own trust in him as opposed to the anxiety and the stress and the, the kinds of, of worry and doubt that we sometimes harbor within us. 
And I think the Lord just wants us to know that um, if God is such a great God, that He has provided the creative genius around us, that He has provided for His creation, uh, whether it be the fowls of the air that fly or the lilies of the field that bloom, which neither toil nor spin their clothing, but God provides uh, all for them. Well, He is our Heavenly Father after all, and we should know that we can trust Him as well. And so, to trust God, to trust our Heavenly Father, to believe that He will provide the most basic of needs and the areas of our life which are most needful, is something that he desires for us to do by faith. And that in itself will dispel the anxiety and the stress and those things which often rob away from us the faith that we should be exercising. In verse 31, Therefore be not anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or with what shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentile seek. Well, he brings that phrase in there um, because the Gentile nations were those nations which were not as the nation of Israel, which knew the one true and living God. Uh, In other words, they did not have the divine oracles of God. They may have had the writings of Hammurabi, or they may have had the writings of Confucius, or they may have had the philosophies of the, of the Greek poets and, liter- and the literature people, but they did not have the oracles of God as the Jewish people had, as the Hebrew people had. And I would like just to say to you too, those who do not know the Lord as their Savior do not know what true faith is. They may have faith in themselves, they may believe they can do great things, and they may do great things, and they accomplish great things. But there is a difference between the faith that trusts in God and walks with God than the faith of the world. The object of our faith is Christ, our Lord, Jesus, our Savior. And there is no substitute for it because we know that through Jesus Christ, our Lord, comes eternal life. And that life is an abundant life to the glory of God and even to our future glorification. So there really is no comparison. And he reminds them here, For after all these things do the nations of the world seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of the very basic of things in life. For what does he say? But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Of course, the kingdom of God is the theme, right, that the Sermon on the Mount is talking about. Remember that John the Baptist came preaching the kingdom of God was at hand and that they needed to repent. Remember, Jesus is their divine teacher, their master, as it were. He is the Messiah. He is the anointed of God. He is the one that John the Baptist came preaching about, saying he is at hand and the kingdom of God is at hand. And so he points his disciples to that which they cannot obtain but by faith. They cannot obtain it through uh, overturning the Roman government. And by the way, we cannot obtain the perfect utopia or world or even nation by overturning a government. No, only God can give that 
And we know that that will come through our Lord Jesus Christ, even as he will establish his own kingdom in righteousness. Uh, so he says, seek, seek the kingdom which is of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Well, it doesn't mean that he's saying that you're going to have to wait till that kingdom comes in before you're going to have the most basic of needs. No, he's saying faith is the key here. Faith will, will get you to the place where you will acknowledge the kingdom of God and the righteousness of God and that you will find that faith is that which will provide also for your basic needs of life. God will provide and he wants us to trust in him. Be therefore not anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for the things of itself Sufficient unto the day is its own evil. Well, every day brings, as it were, its own anxiety. Um, we, uh, if we trust in ourselves uh, and go to bed tonight, tomorrow there will be plenty more to worry about. But if we're trusting in God, uh, we can go to bed tonight and get up tomorrow and trust in God as well and realize that whatever happens will be to the glory of God as long as we're trusting in Him and waiting upon Him. Yes, God expects us to do our part. We have to, as it were, get up every day and go about the duties that God has given to us. For any who will not work shall not eat, as the Scripture says. Or uh, you could use the example of the, the ant uh, in the book of Proverbs, uh, who is most industrious and, uh, and uh, did enjoy the, lab the fruit of his labors. Uh, so we need to be laboring and working, but uh, we need faith. We need to trust God. We need to cast aside the anxieties and the stress which often get us down and trust that God will be with us through the whole situation. And so be not anxious, but trust in your heavenly Father. Shall we pray? Loving Father, we thank you for these most practical thoughts and pray that we may not only trust you in those things most basic, but we might realize that faith is the most basic element of our true walk with you. That we, if we do not have faith, then we can question whether or not we are really God's own children. Faith is truly so basic to who we are as being believers that without it, we are as the unbelieving. I pray, Father, that you will bless and encourage each one to walk each day with you and to trust and to not doubt or be full of anxiety or stress, but to wait upon you and to believe that you will provide in all areas of need. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.